Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon today is a very serious one. It was preached back in 1994 at the Midwest Pilgrim Holiness Camp Meeting. The evangelist was Wayne States, and he titles the message, The Final Judgment. I know you're going to enjoy this very solemn but much needed sermon for today. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on, and I don't want to lose the vision. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fight. Revelations chapter 20. I'd like to begin reading on verse 12. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which are in them, were in it, which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The words of this text seems to me refer to that final judgment. Every one of us are going to be there. No one is excluded. You may not want to go, but you'll be there. No one is going to escape this judgment. I suppose the most solemn subject that I could talk to you about tonight is this judgment, this general judgment where we're all going to be there. Also note in this scripture that the book was opened and the books were opened. You and I are an author tonight. You have the book of your life. It's a record. It's... Standing as a record before you will stand as a record before you on that day. If you try to make excuse, it'll be in the book. It'll be in there all about your life. Every time you resisted the Holy Ghost, every time that you said no, every time that you tried to make an excuse, it's all in the book. Oh, friend, there'll be a record there on that day. And we need not think that we're going to slip by somehow, but we're going to stand there facing our own record it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Uh, I say you have an appointment tonight. Uh, you might make an appointment with a doctor, uh, or you might make an appointment with some relative, uh, other appointments of life, but you can break those. But friend, this is an appointment you'll never break. Uh, God has already made that appointment for you, uh, and that appointment is going to stand. It doesn't change. Uh, I don't know when my appointment will be. Uh, I might go tonight. I might go tomorrow. God may give me some years yet, or he may come in the rapture, I don't know. 
But I know this, I have an appointment and I want to keep prepared to meet that appointment. Uh, I'm glad tonight that God made a way where we can be ready, where we can be prepared for that appointment. We need not fear. Thank God we can live in the power of His presence and know that we can be ready any moment that He calls. It's important that we should bear in mind for it's impossible for us to think on these things without something being stirred down in our hearts. It has to have some kind of an influence on us to recognize we're going to meet God. Oh, in days gone by when people died, they didn't have all the sedatives they have now. But back there, they would scream and wail. They said, the fire's burning, the fires are hot. Lift me out of hell. But they, of course, give them drugs now until they don't seem to feel this. But the same hell is there. Yes, we're going to the judgment out there someplace. I've heard, I guess, as long as I can recall about Jesus coming again. Yes, it stirred my heart back there and it stirs my heart tonight because it seems we're approaching the hour. We're getting near the time when he's going to come back again. And I never in all of my life felt like I wanted to be ready any more than I do tonight. I want to be ready. I want to keep ready. Oh, yes, the end of time is coming and God help us that we might be ready for that hour. In the year 1000, it was generally believed that the end was coming. As men entered upon that year in solemnity and seriousness, they went about their business, yes, solemn, because they didn't know he might come today. They would go to bed at night, fearful though, lest in the night they might hear the call, come to judgment. Months rolled on, and uh, the solemnity and horror increased, and business almost came to a halt. Uh, I want to tell you, friend, there's coming a day when your job will not mean very much. There's coming a day when all the things that we desire is not going to mean very much. Uh, no, they said business almost came to a halt because people were living in fear because they were afraid the Lord might come that night or that day. But as the months passed by and he didn't come, they drew a long sigh of relief and I suppose turned and went right back to the sins that they'd been in. What was it, 1937, 38? I don't remember for sure. I was a teenager in Colorado Springs. One night, uh, there was a radio broadcast saying that a planet had fallen in New York City, one had fallen in London, and I think one had fallen in Los Angeles, uh, and people started running out of bars, screaming and begging God for mercy. Church bells began to ring. Some of the older folks will remember this. And then somebody said, it's just a radio program. Orson Welles put on that radio program back there. And when they found out it was a radio program, they just turned right around and went back to the bars where they were drinking. I'd like to tell you, friend, I doubt if you make it in. If we're just trying, if we're just trying to test God, I'm afraid sometimes we almost try to tempt God. You better be careful about trying to tempt God, friend. He means what he says and says what he means. And I believe there's a judgment. There's an appointed time. And God forbid that we play the fool. 
and go on with our little play program and say, well, I want this and I want that. Uh, I tell you, friends, you better get a desire in your heart that you want God more than anything else uh, because it looks like, it looks like even the world is suspecting that something's going to come to pass. Uh, even scientists say there's something out there that they don't understand. Uh, out far in the space, there's something uh, that looks like an object that they've never seen before. Uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but somehow I hope it's that city coming down. Uh, I hope that God's preparing that time when we'll, so we'll soar out of this place uh, and make our abode in that city that he's preparing for us. Uh, Oh, God, help us not to play the fool. We know right from wrong tonight. Don't tell me you don't know right from wrong. Don't tell me that you're making excuses for things that you'd like to do tonight. But God put his finger on it. And someplace back there, you've talked yourself into it. But someplace back there, God put his finger on it. And his finger's still on it tonight. He's still saying no as you override it, override it, override it. He's still saying no. Friends, you better get ready for the judgment. What was it in the 17th century again? I think it was in England they had prophesied that Jesus was coming back. And it seemed that people of every class believed that they, they were convinced that this was going to happen. Old French novels and light literature were cast aside. People hastened to bookstores to buy Bibles. I'd like to tell you, friend, nobody in the world would think that it's more important to have a Bible than me. But I'd like to tell you tonight, it's going to take more than a Bible to get you in. You're going to have to have the Word hidden in your heart if you ever make it to heaven. Just because you've got a Bible laying on your table, that's not going to get you in. No, run and get a Bible. That's almost blasphemy to me. I read in one place in the book not long ago, it said, let their prayer become sin because it's almost blasphemy. Some people pray, you know, just because they are in an emergency, that's all. I want to tell you, friends, uh, we better recognize there's a real emergency coming. You better pray before that emergency gets here because if that emergency arrives uh, that I'm talking about tonight, it's too late to pray then. Oh, yes, the rich man is crying in hell tonight. Uh, he had his opportunity. In fact, he fell I'm con as far as I'm concerned, that's the same one uh, that fell on his face and asked Jesus, what can I do to be saved? Uh, oh, yes, but he wanted him to give up his riches, uh, and he went away sorrowfully. And there's a lot of people, uh, when God put his finger on it right in this crowd, uh, God's put his finger on some things, and you turned away sorrowfully because that's what you wanted. Uh, but there's coming a day when you wouldn't have God. You get, get that out of your mind and out of your memory. Uh, but it may be too late unless you confess your sins and back up and ask God to forgive you for those things. It may be too late. Yes, there were 1,700 couples in a particular area evidently in England that were living together without ever having a marriage ceremony performed. Of course, that's pretty popular today. Some hang around the wholeness movement. Somehow we get the idea, well, if we just live together, then we, if we decide we don't, then we can go out and get somebody else. I'd like to tell you, you better turn your brain over, friend. It's flat on one side. You better turn your brain over and think. 
God's not going to let you by. He's not going to let you by with such a theology as that. No, no, no. He's not going to let you by. We better get our lives cleaned up. We better get things cleaned up, folks, if we're going to heaven. Oh, there's nothing unclean there. And you'd be out of place anyway if you would happen to get in. And of course, you're not going to get in because nothing unclean is going to get in. But here's these couples out trying to seek out a clergyman or somebody to perform a marriage ceremony for them. And again, I say, if they're really worthy of a marriage ceremony, nobody would be more for it than I would. But I'd like to say to you tonight, it's going to take more than a marriage ceremony to get you right with God. I said it's going to take more than a marriage ceremony. You're going to have to get on your face and admit how you've been wrong and admit the sins and the ungodliness and the lewd sins that you've been in. You're going to have to admit all of that. Come on, quit setting on me. Isn't it strange? Looks like it's about time for him to come. In 1988, when the book came out, and I know it had been a lot of criticizing, but I, I just stood back and didn't criticize because I saw a lot of people that was shook, 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 shook. I wouldn't set a date, and I don't think we ought to set dates, but I was thrilled to some that run to the church and, and uh, at least for a time they begged God for mercy, but of course they got over that too. But you're going to look back and see the opportunities that God gave you and shook you up and made you realize that he could come. He could have come in 1988. He could have come. And he could come on this night in 1994 too. He could come before this service is over. And we piddled around and dabbled with the blood and dabbled with the scriptures and dabbled with the truth and just kind of said, well, 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 that's a pretty deep subject, friends. You better get out of it uh, and get out there and say yes to God and walk in the light uh, and prepare to meet God because he's coming back again. He's coming back again. And God help us to quit playing the fool. Oh, somewhere he's coming. And God help us uh, to prepare our hearts to meet him. This is an event that's going to terminate uh, the remedial dispensation. When the preacher no longer preaches the gospel now, when this happens, mercy is no longer offered. I thank God for mercy tonight. I'm glad he had mercy on me. I was a wicked sinner. I'm glad he had mercy on me. I'd just like to stop and thank him again tonight that he had mercy on me when I really didn't deserve it. But he had mercy. Thank God he had mercy on my soul. And I made my way to a place of prayer. Oh, I'll never forget that day, and I've told it over and over, but I must say it again. I never even had an altar nurse to tell me when I got through. I'm really surprised that the altar nurses around the altar tell you when you get through. I didn't need an altar nurse. I want to tell you God came and forgave me of my sins and lifted my load, and I didn't need anybody to tell me what had happened. I knew that my sins were gone. If you have to have somebody tell you yours are gone, I tell you, you haven't arrived yet because that burden will be gone. Oh, listen, friend, the witness of the Spirit, and this is not beside my message, I guess, but the witness of the Spirit is not running up and down the aisles and shouting. That's not the witness. That's what comes because of the witness. Peace is the witness. Praise God. Peace. Thank God all of a sudden I recognize I had peace. I'd unconditional surrendered back there. And now I have peace in my heart. And when you come to an unconditional surrender, you'll have peace. 
Doesn't make any difference what the preacher preaches on. You'll have peace. Praise God, you'll have peace in your heart. And I'm glad for that peace tonight. No mercy will not be offered anymore. The Spirit no longer pleads. That Spirit that's pleading with some people in this building tonight. But friend, on that day, there'll be no pleading. There'll be no pulling. That'll all be gone. The Son of God no longer occupies the mediatorial throne. No, the hours are going to hang heavily on the idler's hands. Yes, moments in their true value are coming as the angel of God with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea declares that time shall be no more. And it's to this judgment scene that I'd like to call your attention tonight. The sanctified need not fear because the rock that we stand on now will be sufficient then. Praise God. I never forget an old preacher from New York that used to come to Arizona during the winter, and he was telling about a little old lady that would get up and testify. She was so weak she could hardly stand up. But she'd stand up and say, Oh, I, I'm so weak, but the rock that I stand on tonight is solid. It's unmoving. And I'd like to tell you, in that moment when it seemed like physically you can't make it, uh, I discovered I found a rock that I'm standing on. It's unmovable. It's unchangeable. Uh, praise God for the solid rock tonight. Uh, I'm glad for the solid rock. Uh, I'm glad for Jesus Christ tonight uh, that is never failing. Yes, this judgment uh, is going to be a horrible judgment. Uh, as everybody is gathered there, it doesn't make any difference who you are. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, he that believeth not is condemned already. For this reason, the sinner fears the judgment. I think this subject demands all of our attention, and we ought to have consideration. For it's evident from the words of Jesus that we need to be careful and be ready. Watch, for you know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? All will be there. Yes, the old and the young, the rich and the poor, the learned and the unlearned. A general judgment. We're all going to be there, friends. You're going to be there. You that's rejecting it in this camp, you're going to be at the judgment. And look back and think that night that God spoke to my heart and to think I played the fool and now I've missed it. For God shall bring every work into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I repeat again, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth and let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thine youth and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee to judgment. Oh, I want to be ready for that hour. I want to be ready. I want to be ready when that moment comes. I want to keep my hands clean and my heart pure. 
I want to be careful what I do. I just feel impressed to say this tonight. I performed a wedding a lot of years ago now in Phoenix, Arizona, in the Gospel Center Church. I shall never forget that night. Two of our good friends, I was to perform the ceremony in that church. We've gone through the ceremony as far as now they're kneeling at the altar. And God stopped me. I've never done this before. I've never done it since. But I looked down. I said, Lawrence and Roberta, if this is not God's will, we better stop right here. For I want you to know there is nothing but death that will dissolve this marriage. I saw tears well up in Roberta's eyes, but they kept kneeling. There was nothing for me to do but to go ahead with the ceremony. I think she's been married five times, and maybe he has two or three times. But I want you to know when I stand at the judgment bar of God, my hands are going to be clean. I stopped them in the middle of the wedding and said there's nothing but death is going to dissolve this, this, this marriage. Oh, friend, I want to keep clean. I want to be careful. I want to live in the place to where my conscience will be clear because, you see, we're all going to the judgment. We're all going to give an account someplace down the way we're going to give an account, and I want to be careful. I want to put aside everything that would be a hindrance. Some things along the way that God's talked to me about that a lot of people would say is foolish, but nothing's foolish that God talks to us about. I was born in the West. I'm a Westerner. I was born where cowboys wear, wear guns on their hips, and I've worn one on mine. And there was something about Western stories that used to just entertain me. But there come the time when the Lord spoke to me, and I got rid of all that. Come on now. To keep our conscience clean and our conscience clear, we're going to have to mind him as we go along the way. Well, you said it doesn't bother me. Well, that's all right. But if I were you, I'd kind of get on my knees and pray about it and see now, Lord, are you sure it's all right? Come on now. I know we don't like this kind of preaching because there's some things we want to do. But friend, it's just whether you want to go to heaven or not. I mean to go to heaven whatever it costs. I don't make any difference what it costs. I mean to go to heaven. I mean to be faithful to my heart, uh, and I mean to be faithful to others. Uh, and we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, and to get there and to be able to look him in the face, we're going to have to have a conscience that's void of offense toward God and toward man. Uh, and I want to keep my conscience clear. Oh, God, help us uh, not to play the fool. You're a free moral agent tonight. You can do what you want to do. Did you hear me? I said you're a free moral agent. You can do what you want to do. And it seems there's not a great crowd that's wanting to do what God wants them to do. 
You can reject the Word of God. Oh, yes. You can count the blood of the covenant an unholy thing. You can trample it under your feet. You can grieve the Holy Ghost. You can despise the prayers of an interceding Christ. You can scorn the mourner's bench. You can put, push God and church and preacher and friends all to one side in your mad rush hellward. But I want to tell you, friend, in that day, your probation's going to end. The messengers of omnipotence are going to hail you before Almighty God at that judgment day. You may make your bed in hell. You may take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost part of the earth. But I like to tell you there's no escape. There's no escape. Criminals may flee the country, but I like to tell you God's arm is not short tonight. And you're not going to flee from this because you're going to be there. God's going to see that you are there. This is God's day. And it's going to be fearfully ushered in. During the last century, there was an event known as the falling of the stars in this United States. Down in Kentucky, in an old hotel building that night, they were having a square dance. The couples were out on the floor swinging their partners, and the old violinist was swinging the bow. One of the young ladies. I suppose depressed by the awful atmosphere of smoke in there, went over to the door. She might breathe a breath of fresh air and suddenly she looked out and the stars were falling every direction from the heavens. She screamed out, my God, the judgment day's here. And one of her girlfriends rushed over to see what, what she was crying out about and saw the stars falling. She said, my God, the judgment's come. The old violinist heard them. He kept playing his bow as he made his way over to where they were. And he saw the stars falling and threw his fiddle and bow. Said, my God, folks, the judgment's here. Of course, that wasn't the judgment. That was just a sign of it. That's just the sign of that day. I want to tell you, in that day, the stars are going to fall everywhere. Oh, in that day, we're going to see things like we've never seen before. And I wouldn't be surprised and God might turn a little bit on now, any time now. Not one little corner of the earth of God's domain, but everywhere God's going to show signs of the end time until we'll not have an excuse when we stand at the day of judgment. I don't think we'd have an excuse now. There's been enough things happen that looks like the end time that we ought to be half scared to death or we're not ready to meet God tonight. Yes, on that day, not only in the heavens alone, but earth also is going to reel and rock like a drunken man as earthquakes will prevail in many places, in divers places. That's what the scripture says. God put forth his little finger and touched part of the Pacific coast many years ago and San Francisco lay in shambles. I'm not talking about the one just in the last few years, but years ago, hundreds went into eternity. And now it looks like the worst is yet to come and yet people, oh, some of them are shaken, some of them are stirred, but it looks like the last two earthquakes in California, the scientists that predicted them, they come right on the day that he predicted they would come. 
And if my understanding is right and my reading is right, what I read not long ago, or maybe heard on the radio, this same scientist that hit it right on the day is declaring, if I think I'm right, he's, he's saying that in 1996, the big one is to come. And I wonder, I wonder how many people, oh, that may not be, that may not be the rapture, they may not be, but I'm talking about destructive things. I'm talking about things where thousands of people may go into eternity. Oh, I have a paper at home or in my paper somewhere. I have a, the front page of the second section of the Phoenix Gazette. The headlines say, Phoenix to become world seaport. Declaring that California is going to go into the ocean uh, as that Andreas fault uh, down through from San Luis Obispo out to San Bernardino. Uh, and we were told in California that they've been 50 miles back under California, just a shelf hanging out there. Oh, I want to tell you, friends, uh, God's doing everything He can to shake us. And I know, say, well, that's California. We're safe, are we? We moved to Petersburg, Indiana a few years ago uh, and I went down to the drugstore to get my wife uh, a prescription filled uh, and the, the druggist uh, had a strange look on his face. He said, would you mind waiting a few moments? Uh, well, I said no and I turned around uh, and bottles were flying everywhere off of the shelves right there in Petersburg, Indiana and I saw, I said, I'll be glad to wait and we got outside. That's what everybody else did. But I want you to know it doesn't make any difference where you're at. He said in divers places, that means many places. You don't know where this is going, but destruction's going to come, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I don't know what it's going to take to wake up this world. I'll be frank with you, I don't know what it's going to take to wake up the homeless movement. Making our little excuses. And we ought to have sense enough to know God's presence has been here but I tell you, I, I've been praying that God would send Holy Ghost conviction uh, until we'd see them slain in the aisles like we used to see them back there. I pray that God would send that kind of conviction uh, until it's scared. I said, send a hell scare. We sit around and grit our teeth and frown uh, and say, preach it, preacher. I've heard better preaching than that. No doubt you have. I feel sorry if you haven't. But I want to tell you this. God's been here in every service and he's been trying to awaken us. He's been trying to get to us. He's been trying to get to your heart too. You just sit there and said, I'm not going to listen to what that preacher says. But you're going to listen to what God says. Yes, he touched the islands of the sea and Mount Pelee. You know your history. On the island of Martinique, it blew its head off. That crowd, the scientists had tried to get them to move off of the island, said this thing's going to blow up. There was a volcano out there in the middle of that island. It's gonna, that thing's going to blow up. This is a perfect picture of the United States of America right now. Said that thing's going to blow up. Get off of the island. And they laughed at them. They said, we've lived here for years. It's never happened. And that seems to be our attitude. But one night, it happened, and 40,000 people went into eternity. I'd like to tell you, friend, God's warned us and warned us and warned us and warned us. But in this day, earthquakes are going to be prevailing everywhere. Yes, the islands will flee away, 
and the mountains will topple from their bases to destruction. The waves of the sea shall roar and we shall stand aghast at the awful destruction that we look at. When he comes to judge. Then amid all that wreck, the judge is going to come surrounded by his angels will say, time shall be no more. Arise, ye dead, and come to judgment. Then the sea will give up its dead. Death and hell will be emptied. All nations and all kindreds and all people and all tongues and all the small and all the great shall stand before him because this is judgment day. It's going to be a universal judgment. And the big question that I want to put to you tonight, are you ready? It doesn't make a difference to me where you're a preacher, you're a Sunday school teacher, a layman. It doesn't make a difference a mother, a father, a child, whoever you are. Friend, I'm asking you tonight, are you ready? Nothing can be reversed then. You see, when this comes, nothing can be reversed. Those desires that you have now can't be changed then. The lie cannot be undone. The oath cannot be recalled on this day. Judas would fling away the price of blood, but it's too late. Achan would part with his Babylonian garment and the gold, but it's too late now. Ananias would pay the whole price. Oh, he'd like to pay it, but it's too late to pay it. Balaam would let go of the wages of unrighteousness. Demas would forsake the world now, but he can't do it. It's too late. Pilate would now quit the innocent, but you see, it's judgment day. It's too late to do all of that. Yes, now Christ will be the judge the one that paid the price for me on the cross. He'll be the judge now. The despised Galilean will be on the throne. He who hung on the middle cross will be on the judgment seat. Once he said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your soul. But now, Rest is a foreign word. You'll never know what rest is. You'll never know. If you ever had any, you'll never know because there'll never be any rest anymore. Oh, he that cometh unto me, I will no wise cast out. But now he's saying, come to judgment. And then the cries of that crowd. And I suppose the most horrible Cries would come from the crowd that are light rejectors. I'd rather go to hell from the blackest part of Africa where I never had any light than I would from a meeting like this. Just to think all the light we had and all your arguments that said, oh, I don't see anything wrong with it. But now, it's too late. Yes, I can hear them as they begin to cry, oh, 
If I could just have one more, one more offer of mercy, one more. If I could just have one more offer. If I could have one more invitation to an altar, one more, just one more. If I could just hear another gospel sermon. I didn't, never did like to hear Brother States preach, but I'd like to hear him preach again. Time, come back. Come back, time. Come back. Come back, time. Lost opportunities. Come back, come back, come back. Thou despised, insulted, rejected Holy Ghost. Come back one more time. And then I hear him calling us, rocks and mountains fall on us and hide us from him. Brother Griffith's wife passed away in 1966. My family and I with others went from Phoenix to Denver to the funeral. Brother Griffith's family and our family were like one family. A man in Colorado Springs that had a lovely summer home up on the road to Pikes Peak said you can go up there and stay as long as you want to. And so Brother Griffith and he and and his daughter and son-in-law and their family and my wife and I and our family went up to this place. One day I came in, I said, where's Brother Griffith? And they said, why? He just walked up the canyon. And when I say a canyon, I'm talking about a canyon. Maybe thousands of feet up that solid rock wall. Said he went up the canyon to pray. And so I thought, well, I'll go up. And then I heard him. His voice would echo back and forth. He'd already got through and he was a praising God. And when I arrived, he said, Oh, Wayne, look at that rock. And I looked up there at a rock that I have no idea how much it weighed. Maybe 20 ton, I don't know. Sitting on a little pinnacle. Just a little pinnacle. He said, can you imagine? It looked like you could push it over. He said, can you imagine there's coming a day when they'll cry for that rock to fall on them, that it might hide them from Him? But I'd like to tell you, friend, there's no way you can hide from God. You can't hide from God. You could go 10 million miles down in the middle of the earth up there if you could go that far, but you couldn't hide from Him. Because you see, God's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's here tonight. And He's going to be with you when you go out there. If you reject Him, if you reject Him, He's going to go with you as long as He can. But when you reject Him that last time, you're going to discover that He's gone. Oh God, help us not to do that. The easiest place to reject the Holy Ghost and for Him to leave is in a meeting like this tonight. That's the easiest place. You don't have to spit in His face. All you need to do is just Say no. And that last time that you say no, and I don't know what that is. God's the one. He's the only one that knows that. Uh, but I, I'd be awful careful. I'd be awful careful. I'm not preaching on deadline tonight, but I feel like I ought to tell you that Saul cried, I am sore distressed. For God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Oh, friend, let's be careful. Let's be careful what we do, lest... We discover that he's gone. I was with Dr. Emery, and I'm about through tonight. Many years ago, now up in New York in a camp, we were preaching together. 
He told something that I have never gotten over. Told how an attorney and his friend were out one day having lunch together. And this friend said to him, you know, I have a very serious case coming up. And I'd like for you to take the case for me, if you would. And this attorney looked at him and said, why, of course I will. Said, you're one of my best friends. I'll do anything I can for you. And so they parted ways that day. I don't know how long it was, maybe two or three years later, that they got together again and this attorney said, well, what about that case you mentioned? Oh, yes, he said, I want you to plead my case. It's just not quite time yet. And then they parted again and then it became an emergency. This man called, maybe it was some more years, I don't know how long. It had to be a, quite a season of time because of what happened. And he called him up and said, oh, he said, I need your help. Would you take my case? It's an emergency. And there was quietness on the other end of the line. And then the attorney spoke up and said, friend, I'm awful sorry, but I can't take your case. You see, I'm not an attorney any longer. I'm the judge now. And I'd like to tell you back in 1942, Jesus became my attorney. And I'd like to tell you we won the case. And we're still winning tonight. He's still pleading my case tonight. I'd like to tell you, oh, he's the greatest attorney you'll ever find in all the world. He'll plead your case. He knows how to win it if you listen to him. If you'll go according to his instructions, you'll win, friends. You'll win. Are you listening? You'll win if you'll just take his instructions. Praise God. I'm glad I took his instructions. I'm glad I listened to his instructions. I'm glad I did. Thank God we're still winning. I'm saying again, we're still winning tonight. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. You can't lose with Jesus Christ. You can't lose. I hope you listen tonight and you'll take him as your attorney. But you see, on that day, he's going to be the judge. And he can't take your case then. It'll be too late. Just this and I'm going to be through. A farmer came in one cold winter day. He'd been out working on the farm. And he came in, his wife had a lovely warm meal for him. After he'd eaten, he thought he'd go in and lay down and take a nap before he went back out in the cold. Went in the living room, lay down on the divan, thinking he'd just kind of nap a little. But he went into a deep sleep and began to dream. And I'd like to emphasize this is just a dream tonight, but oh, what a vivid dream. He said, I, as I dreamed, he said, I got, went out of the house and went out to my car. And I backed it out of the garage. Snow was on the ground. And he said, I drove out my front driveway and across the road from where I lived was my neighbor. 
And he said, I saw a stranger that I'd never seen before in my life was standing knocking on the door. And I sat there a little bit and he just kept knocking and I thought, surely my neighbor's home, he hasn't gone. And finally he said, I rolled down the window and called out, friend, just keep on knocking. I'm sure my neighbor's home and he'll answer momentarily. Just keep on knocking. And he said, I went on to town and took care of whatever business, all in this dream. And he said, now I'm coming back home. And I looked up and behold, that stranger is still knocking. Still knocking. And he said, I drove on into the garage and started back over to cross the road. And just as I was approaching the road, he said, suddenly my neighbor came out of the house and with an instrument in his hand, he beat that stranger until he fell in the snow and went back and slammed the door. And I rushed over to the stranger. He was getting up now and I apologized. Oh, I don't understand why my neighbor would treat you like that. I'm so sorry. And he said the stranger turned toward the door and started to go up and knock. And he said, oh, surely you're not going to go back after he treated you like that. And he said he looked me in the eye and said, sir, I have a message for this man that he must have now. It cannot wait. And with that he said he started knocking. And he said before I knew it, my neighbor came out again and beat that man into the snow and slammed the door the second time. And he said, I went over and reached down to take that man's hand to help him get up. And then he said, I noticed a nail-scarred hand. And he said, suddenly I awakened, wondering what in the world this was. He said, I jumped off of the couch and run outside and run toward my neighbor's house. And just as I approached, my neighbor's wife came out on the porch. She was sobbing and crying. She said, my husband just went into eternity. I'd like to tell you, friend, he knocks to the very last. I thank God that he's faithful. But how many more times is he going to knock? How many more times are you going to knock him down? Oh, you say, preacher, I never did that. Oh, I want to tell you, friend, when you reject him, you crucify him anew. And the blood still runs tonight. And no doubt by some in this crowd that have crucified him anew today. I want us to stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.